This is the Territory Story Podcast with Peter and the Professor. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. Hello there. Welcome to you. This is the Territory Story Podcast. My name is Peter Gowers. A little under the weather, so if you wouldn't mind forgiving the vocals, but uh, I'll try and uh, make sure that our guest and my co-host do most of the talking. I'd like to introduce now all the way from somewhere in the mountains that have grizzly bears in them, <laughs> the Professor Elizabeth Spencer. How are you, Dame? Fine, but you know, so much better for hearing from you. It's been ages. I know. I, I actually made an apology via our social media probably less than a month ago, but it was definitely a few weeks ago. And I said, I am under the weather and we will get this thing back on the tracks. But mm. but then, yeah, I just I got hit with this thing again. So I thought, no, we've got, we've got to get back in the saddle and uh, get back onto it. It's so, great to hear your voice. It's always great to hear yours. And the reference to the mountains with the grizzly bears is uh, Liz's choice of uh, background on her uh, Snowing. Google, Google Meet. Snowing it's here snowing, in Darwin. Yeah. And it's, we think, Trevor thinks it's going to go down to eight, what, what, 18 degrees tonight. 14 tomorrow morning. 14 tomorrow morning. 14 Trevor, you can't talk yet. You're not allowed to talk yet. Trevor's not here yet, Liz. But as you know, Liz is a rule breaker. So um, 14 degrees in Darwin, that's almost getting to two Duna status, I would have thought, Liz. Oh, you know what? One, one last night was barely sufficient. That's yeah, true. Yeah. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, mm. and but in saying that, I know that you've got a visitor at the moment, and uh, I'd be thinking they'd be thinking it's piping hot. Oh, you know, it's been so great to have my daughter visiting, and um, we went down to uh, Catherine, and we were really hot the first night. Actually, it was very mm. warm the first night, but then the then this um this cold front kicked in, and we were already back in Darwin at that point, and we went to have pedicures today. Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Wow. I haven't had a pedicure in Darwin. We went to Orchid and, yep. you know, they just, you know, whoever walks in, they, they accommodate people and it's beautiful and I recommend it. So okay. a pedicure at Orchid will, Orchid will warm you right up anytime. So Peter, I think they're, they're looking for more guys, you know, I mm. think Trevor, Peter. Yep. Well, as it gets harder and harder to reach my toenails, it uh, it's becoming mm. more of an option. Well, they say that they say that that the um, the the um, doctors for old people yeah, um, yeah. will always look at the feet first to see how you're looking after your feet. Oh, is that so right? Make sure you do that. It is something I've always considered, and my wife's always said to me you should do it. The only reason I haven't, and this will sound ridiculous, is I do have particularly sensitive feet. So I've always thought, oh, sure. and they just tickled you and <laughs> you kept ripping your foot out of their hands the whole time. But I should give it a go, Liz. That's exactly what one of the women said is that as the as one of these incredibly skilled um, women um, from the Mekong Delta in Vietnam said um, as she was getting started uh, massaging her foot, she said, oh, you know, if, if it's hard, I can take it. But none of this, none of this light stuff, because then it just makes yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Pickles. Yeah, mm. I did get um, reflexology once in Singapore, and I would say that uh, as as my feet were being attended to, um, I've never felt pain quite like it. And I okay. said to the bloke doing it, I said, uh, "You're doing this on the hardest setting, aren't you? Just to you know prove how <laughs> tough you are." And he goes, "Mate, 
He didn't say mate because he was Singaporean. He said, I'm doing about 50% for you. When he finished, I swear to God, I have never felt better in my life. I felt like I was walking on air. And then I got up the next day and for probably the next five days, my feet just felt battered and bruised. So I probably got a good five hours. That's what you're looking for. That's what you're looking for. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Anyway, we should probably introduce our... um, our guest, because this—I don't is know. I'm liking this. So let's talk more. Your feet. <laughs> so, uh, I'd like to introduce uh, you and the Territory Story family to a man who's very well known by Territorians, I have no doubt, and that is Mr. Trevor Sherpig. Trevor, welcome to the Territory Story podcast. Thank you, Peter. Thank you, Professor. Hi, Trevor. Hi. How are you? Nice to see you. Good. What's Thank that you. map you've got behind you? It's a map of the Darwin Harbour, um, actually printed in 1938. Wow. And Liz, one day um, you'll remember that this is not a visual podcast. So <laughs> the map behind Trevor is completely irrelevant. But uh, good to know that you've got your Darwin history there. Um, I will also say, Trevor, and I don't say this to embarrass you, I'm really saying it for legal reasons. Um, and that is that uh, you volunteered the information, and I was unaware until then. But uh, you you are a paid-up subscriber of the podcast. And I only say that because I don't want to get caught out in some cash-for-comment scandal <laughs> for, the, for the $9.99 a month that costs to be a subscriber. Um, so thank you. We, we most appreciate it. I heard your plea and I thought, yes, I'm happy. I've listened to everyone. Um, loved the wow. dolls, tones and the laughter of Leon Loganathan from day one. And, yeah, and you've had some fantastic guests far smarter than I, I can tell you. Um, Thanks, Trevor. That's why I was very reluctant. <laughs> you were reluctant. I was a bit shocked. Not not really shocked, but I thought, no, you've got such a great story to tell and, you know, you're a fabric of, of the Northern Territory and you and your business. So... It's often the people who feel as though they have the least to tell that have the most interesting, yeah. entertaining That's stories to tell. That's mm-hmm. very true. So there we go. So, Trevor, I don't need to tell you how this next bit works, but uh, just remember, it's not a 30-second race. It's a, it's a definitely a marathon. Yep. But let's uh, tell us your territory story. Um, arrived in the Territory in 1978 for 18 months, um, 45 years later, two children, four grandchildren, uh, a business which I've recently sold uh, to our son. Uh, we're still here. And not likely to be going anywhere soon with four grandchildren, I can tell you that. Yeah. Other than maybe disappearing during the, the build-up. <laughs> and that's a wise move. Yeah. So where did it all start? Where were you born? In Renmark, uh, in, in South Australia, in the uh, in the River Districts. I uh, went to the Renmark North Primary School, uh, to the Renmark High School. And um, like... Um, all positions back in 1971 or jobs availability in 71, there were plenty of them and there was like three to choose from. Hmm. Um, I was working with Libba Libba houseboats at the time when I first left school, just straight after matriculation. Um, and that was probably more of a labouring type job, just taking people's um, clothing and what have you, their suitcases down onto the to the houseboat. Um doing grease up on oil chains and fixing the fishing gear and all that sort of thing, which I really, really enjoyed, but my father wasn't happy that uh, it sent me to school for me to be working on the, the <laughs> houseboats. And then I had a position available at Angro's Winery 
to study accountancy or the National Bank, and I chose the National Bank. Um, and it was with the bank that I went from there to Wyla, Wyla to, to Darwin, so it was the bank that, that moved, moved me around. The family is originally from Renmark, your other generation? Yeah, yeah there's, um, through the river districts, there are a lot of, lot of Sherbrooke's <clears throat> from, you know, Mildura, Monash, Erie, Barmer, Loxton. Um, yeah, my, my wife was a bit um, surprised when we were courting. She was a while ago and we went home one weekend and I had to go to the dry cleaners to pick up something from the dry cleaners and name and I said Sherpick and the girl behind the counter had no trouble retrieving the, the items ah. because there's quite a few Sherpicks through the river. Yeah, so she um, knew it started with a T. We're used to doing the T-S-C-H-I-R-P-I-G, oh, yeah. wherever else we go. You know. Yeah. So where, where's the name originate from? Um, I understand from Prussia. Grandpa did utter a few words of, of German, but I understand Prussia. Um, yeah. they, they, the family sailed out in the good ship, the Gellert, and arrived on the South Australian shores in 1863. Wow. So they've been able to follow through in, in a book written by uh, Mrs. Hamlin many, many moons ago. Mm. Uh, which I feature in, actually. Um, she's taken right back to my, my great-grandparents. Yeah. Wow. Uh, Trevor, what did courting look like in those at that time, I hate to say, in those days? At that time, what, what was courting all about? What was, sorry? Courting. When we oh, were courting. Holding, oh. <laughs> holding hands. You don't use that term in America, Liz. I know. I, know, I haven't heard that in a while. <laughs> holding hands, that's about it. <laughs> oh, holding hands. Oh, okay. <laughs> Separate rooms when I went to, um, to yeah, open yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, I was at the bank there to join them in 71 and then was transferred to Wyler in 74. Mm. Uh, spent four years in, in Wyler. Um, and the bank had a system where... Um, personnel department would send out a, uh, a memo who wants to go to New Guinea, who wants to go to the Territory. And we had friends up here working in the bank at the time who were former Wyler people, and we thought, oh, we'll tick that box. And I think four weeks to the day we were landing in, in Darwin. Um, Trevor, right can I ask you, what did they tell you about Darwin that, that made you think, wow, that, that could work for us? Um, I suppose one was uh, the promotion from the the Wyler, the Wyler position I was in. Um, it's, with the bank, you sort of the rules were if they asked you to go somewhere, you went, and if you did go, um, you you were going to climb the tree. Those are, because one of the agreements you sign when you join the bank is that you try and take whatever position they offer you. Um, I know the family weren't happy when I got Wyala because that's sort of a six-hour drive way back in, the, <laughs> in those days, you know, single single lane highway. And, um, um, but, yeah, it was, I think, that and, and also the, the friends from Wyala were, were, were suggesting it was a good spot to come. Um, and, yeah. We, in, what way, in what way was it good? Uh, the weather. The weather. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, the weather. I think, yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm not much of a fisherman, so that certainly wasn't <laughs> one of the the attractions at all. Um, and it's been a good spot, I think, you know, to bring up the kids and the grandchildren. And, mm. yeah. So, presumably, um, based on the um, uh, previous generations, you turned up to South Australia as 
what South Australians are very proud of saying as free settlers. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> and uh, tell yeah. us a bit about life in Renmark because, um, look, there'll be plenty of people from South Australia who'll know, but, um, you know, when you mention the houseboats, that sort of uh, gets my attention because there can be lots of fun had down that way on houseboats yeah. and boats in general. Yeah, the the liver liver houseboat in, in, in particular um, it was pioneered by a chappy called Ian Scholl, and he um, coupled a one seven nine or a one four nine old Holden motor mm. to a differential, and that ran the paddles. Yeah, so it was really like an old paddle steamboat. It was rather unique. Whereas if you go up there now, a lot of them are running the three hundred horsepower Merc motors and all sorts. Mm. Things, but um, um, yeah, so that was a, a unique um, construction from from Ian Shoal. Um, um, but yeah, no, I mean, it was typical small country town, you know, pedal your bike to, to, to school, um, uh, to and from school. Um, you, yeah, you made your own, your own fun, and um, mm. yeah. Um, uh, with 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 air guns or slug guns as we used to call them, <laughs> and, and misbehave with crackers in November when we were allowed to. Is that yeah. is that so? Is that how your kids grew up in Darwin? Um, no, not with not with any rifles or anything. No guns, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, no. um, but yeah, um, Dad was on a um, a fruit block. It was about thirty acres, and I always called it. A Collins Street farmer. Mm. The chap that owned the property was a dentist. So when he purchased the property, Dad um, planted peaches, apricots, vines, oranges, and every Saturday morning he would come out from his dentistry practice and we were taught to stand behind Mum's apron and not be not be seen while Dad took the dentist around the fruit block and showed him what was going on. And yep. when I was about 14 or thereabouts, the dentist decided that he wanted a tennis court um, around his property and uh, needed some money and decided to sell the, the fruit block. And, um, of course, I've been 14, I knew everything, so I suggested to Dad that perhaps he should be buying it and we could stay where we were, but... I think Dad was aware that the trees are at that age where maybe it should just move on from the property, mm. um, which he did do, and then he just worked for wages for different fruit, fruit block owners. Mm. Trevor, do you I'm think sure. you were right in hindsight? In leaving? Do you think, do you, uh, think you, you were right in suggesting that your dad buy it, or do you think your dad was right? Uh, I think I think Dad was right. I um, it's funny, all his brothers, he's probably one that worked for the man rather than the man worked for him. Um, his brothers were butchers and bakers and shop owners. Um, they they all seemed to be a little bit more entrepreneurial than what Dad was. Dad was happy to, to be the, the, way, the wage earner. Um, so whether he thought he wouldn't make a go of it, or, I'm not too sure. Um, but I, 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 I thought that it was still there. Um, so he, but he did the right thing for him. And he did the right thing for him. Yeah, mm. and he still provided, you know, for 
I, I find it fascinating to think about this as, as um, you know, I think about the fact that as a, as a female, um, I think about the fact that men made the decisions mm-hmm. for families oh, for, for sure. you know, yeah. for a long, for hundreds of years, and that the entire family had to go along with yeah. what worked for him. And yeah. maybe that was better, you know, I mean, because now we have to negotiate everything. Um, yeah. but, but you know, what works for everyone, Peter, you want to weigh in on this one? <laughs> well, just as you were talking, I was thinking, well, while it might've publicly looked like that, uh, and maybe it was. Uh, so I've always thought that the, the, um, the fairer sex have mm-hmm. had their fair share of say, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah. whether, whether it's via a, uh, pressure campaign over the dinner table or yes. whatever it might be. While dad might've been given, um, credit for making the decision. I reckon mum was often involved. I think that's true. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I must admit, probably never a conversation I ever had with mum, and I, I don't know what mum's view was. I mean, maybe she said, no, you know, we put the hard yards into the property and it's, you know, the trees are at an age and um, they may not be producing. You may have to cut trees out and plant. And of course, you're not getting an income out of those trees for another three or four or five years. Um, until they produce fruit, so mm. yeah, interesting. It's something I've never, never turned my mind to. I just remember Dad just saying, "No, we're not, we're not staying here." And um, yeah, the property was sold, and the dentist got his tennis court. <laughs> Fair enough. I'd like to apologise in advance for this uh, forthcoming dad joke, but um, did your father ever consider being a candlestick maker? <laughs> As the other uncles, I believe, were butchers and bakers. Yeah, yeah butchers and bakers. And, um, yeah, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Again, I apologise for that joke. <laughs> so um, from Renmark, or as I like to call it, 5RM Territory, you... Uh, yes, yeah, well, I, worked, uh, I worked at Berry for a while right next to 5RM. Oh, and, did you? Uh, yeah, the fire room used to bank with the national bank, so we got to know the staff and the yeah the, the disc jockeys there. In fact, one just passed away recently that was went on to Adelaide. I forget his name. A peddler, peddler, somebody peddler. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Five RM to Adelaide. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, the um, ped- peddler name's pretty big down that part of the world. Yes. True. Yes, the, so yeah. I was. Stationed at Remark, we would do part-time, uh, sorry, mm. relief work in Berry, so backwards and forwards just. Yeah. Um, whenever they needed someone for a month, they may have sent me down there. And then, as you do, whenever you go to Adelaide, you drop in to see personnel department while you're on holidays in the bank and, you know, mm. how are you going? Here I am. And the um, personnel manager said, oh, we've got nothing nothing on the books for you at the moment. Um, and then blow me down, I returned from leave, and then they say, here's your marching orders to, to Wyala. Yeah. Um, and uh, the old bank manager wasn't keen that I went because being local, um, they, they, the manager tended to lean on you a wee bit. They'd come in and go, oh, Fred Nurk's just come in to borrow $1,000. What do you know about him? Yeah, yeah. Is he, yeah. Is he a good, good risk? Um, yeah. So, um, but I thought, no, I signed that agreement, I'll go. Um, and what year is this? Sorry, Trevor. 1974. Okay, thanks. Yeah, and then I was um, 
in Wyla for four years. Um, and Wyla was on fire then with the shipbuilding and the steelworks, um, mm. you know, huge population. Um, and I was um, in, in the teller, teller's box and, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars every fortnight um, paid. You know, they were paid in cash. Yeah, the HB workers and um, yeah, so that was um, yeah, pretty stressful time to make sure you had enough cash on hand to, to pay all people. I bet. And of course, back in those days, it was all twenty twenty dollar notes. So when uh-huh. you saw hundreds, well, no hundreds around. Yeah. So I'm sorry, I'm I'm missing something. So how does this work? Why why do you not have enough cash on hand to pay them? Uh you have to you have to order the cash. Peter's the laughing, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, no, banks like to keep cash at a minimum because it's yeah. not earning any money sitting there. They they want it out, lent out and what have you, so it's a different part of their balance sheet to have that cash sitting there. So you, we'd have to order the, the cash in, which would come by security trucks and we'd have it on hand, but it was pretty well empty by the following day once uh, they'd all come in to get their pay slips and, uh. um, yeah, in fact, the BHP would, would give us a big spreadsheet of their the people's pays, so a lot of them would put bare minimum in the bank and get the rest in cash. Yeah. How was that done? So that was all done by sort of fax, or did they send you yeah, the spreadsheet? The BHP accounting staff would drop drop that in, um, and then we had three tellers on pretty well on the go, and yeah, very busy a very busy day on a on a Friday. So BHP staff would come to you to get their pay packet. Yeah, and I mean you're talking from the oh, not their pay packet. Sorry to draw money out of it. Ah, uh, gotcha. They would the BHP would bring in one check and credit all the the accounts, and then you know because there was no ATMs and no EFTs or anything like no. that. So it was the spread between when BHP told you know was going to deposit the money and when people were coming to get it. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Wow. Yeah. So, a, bit a, a bit unclear there. Sorry. That's all no, right. No, thanks. Left field question for you, Trevor, and um, I hope this doesn't bring back any bad memories. But were you ever uh, victim of like bank robberies or armored van no, robberies and things like that? No, thank goodness. No, right. no. But every morning you get up and take your Go into the safe and bring out your your box of cash and your coins and what have you, and you put the pistol underneath the counter and um, you wow. know, have that loaded pistol there with you every day. But, wow! You know, they don't so. still have a loaded pistol under there, do they? Oh, I don't think that, Liz. So. Oh, I wouldn't have thought so. That's no. classic. You know, we'd go out to a range and be taught how to fire the pistol. Really? Yeah. So if someone had come in, it was literally. Pull out the gun and away you go. <laughs> yeah. those, those people should have moved to America. That's how they operate. <laughs> Wait a minute. That's Just a darn minute there, that's Mr. Coward. The school system now in America. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just in schools. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right. Not just. It's everywhere. Right. So, um, and and what were your first thoughts when you got to Wyala for the first time? Yeah, real. Rural industrial town. I thought, God, what have I done here? Um, but it, it it was a rural boys' town. Um, yeah, I mean, it spent time at the greyhounds or the trots or the footy or invariably the pub. Yeah. Um, so I 
I um, actually picked up the contract to clean the bank to, to keep me at the pub. And oh, I was wow. uh, worked at one of the service stations, um, just to, yeah, a bit of a, a bit of an interest outside of um, the social activity. And um, married married a, a girl from Wyla um, while I was there in that, that four years. Um, but yeah, it was a rule, a rule, a rule. Man, man's town, that's for sure. Um, and probably the best thing for our marriage is that when we came to Darwin, because uh, being local, I could drop my wife off to her mum and dad's place while I went off to the Greyhound track and uh, off to the trotting track. And of course, like a lot of those towns around Australia now, there's no greyhounds and no trotting tracks. No. It's sad. In fact, I ran the totalisator for the wild greyhounds for many years. Really? What is that? Sorry? The, the totalisator. So when people could come and have a bet on a dog, um, we were, I was running it for the South Australian tote. Um, he was an SP bookmaker, Liz. Yeah, yeah, not quite. <laughs> okay. very, Getting an education here tonight. All okay. very formal, all very regulated. Yeah, yeah. He was he was sports bet before sports bet existed. You didn't tell me this was going to be an X-rated podcast. Way different with the total artists today with computers and uh, yeah. what's so different. I mean, we, we would ring a number in Adelaide and say, uh, race two's just run how much money we'd held on each dog. And someone in Port Pirie and Port Augusta would be doing the same and someone in Adelaide and that someone would pull it all together, work out the commission the South Australian tote was keeping, divided mm-hmm. by the number of tickets and then ring us all and say, right, this is how much you're paying out for the winning bet. Wow. So were the races, were the races fixed then or are they fixed now? How's that going? <laughs> no, not... <laughs> Bit hard to fix a ground, oh, unless of course you give him a pasture or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I believe they described that as giving him a big drink before the race. <laughs> yeah, that's it. didn't didn't worry us when we were running the totalizer. We weren't going to lose because we kept the percentage off of what came in the door. Yeah. Probably yeah. a great education in uh, never picking up a gambling habit, too, Trevor. I would have thought. Yeah, well, probably introduce me to the gambling. Oh, the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, this dog's yeah, a short chance. He can never lose. Yeah, good, good day. No, good days there. Um, you know, it's, it's um, it's a neat, neat. It's certainly a town's a lot neater now. Um, when you do it, when you first went in there all those years ago with the the pollution from the shipyard and the the works and what have you, it was um. Pretty you know, a red a red town as it were. Yeah. Um but you know I, I well, as I say, found the love of my wife and my wife still with me all these years later. Um But you're only were there for four years. Yeah, four years. Um and that was as I say, we we filled in the slip to come to Darwin and Darwin was going to be eighteen months and eighteen months only. Um and the position I was transferred to was what they called a security clerk. So this was my introduce, introduction to conveyancing in that uh, we prepared the mortgages, uh, had the clients in to sign. We went off to the title's office, 
with the bank check and we met the solicitor for the buyer and the solicitor for the seller and we affected the, the, the settlement uh, for the purchase or the sale of, sale of a house. Mm. Um, yeah, so that, uh, yeah, as I say, more introduction to, to conveying. And, and, and you never looked back? No. Well, for, for 18 months, I mean, <laughs> on a Sunday night back then, there'd be every insurance clerk and every bank clerk, because we're all up on transfer from South Australia into Maine, we'd be all with our girlfriends or our wives driving around Darwin and to the all the post offices and the um, telephone boxes, because what would happen was the telephone boxes would fill with coin and then you could ring mum and dad for free. <laughs> <laughs> and Lee would be ringing her mum saying, Oh, Mum, we're going to be home in five weeks. Mum, we're going to be home in four weeks. <laughs> Mum, we're going to be home in three weeks. Mum, we're not coming home. Trevor's resigned from the bank. We're staying here. And she was hoping her mother would say, Are oh, you kidding? But her mother said, Well, good on you. Why would you come back here? You've got so many friends there now. It's a top spot. And her parents in particular love the visit to the, to the territory. Uh-huh. Um, and so, yeah, we stayed because one day at the titles office, um, a lawyer who had, had just um, helped someone with a DUI charge, someone with a divorce, turned up to do a settlement. He was a general practitioner and he was late for, for settlement. Settlements were always at 11 a.m. at the titles office and he was late. And... Um, I got a little bit cheeky and said to him, why don't you offer me a job and I'll do your conveying thing? Um, and he went back to his wife and said, that cheeky bloody Sherpick from <laughs> the National Bank has suggested we should offer him a job and he'll do the conveying thing. She said, ring him. <laughs> so um, that's when we decided to leave the bank and I started with Neil Halfpenny, um, the forerunner of the firm Halfpenny's, which still exists today. Oh, yeah, right. And so, you, men- you mentioned the Lands Titles Office. Is it the same one that they use today? Yeah, yeah. It was back then. It was in the Civic Centre, where the Darwin City Council is. Yeah. Um, go in and do a title search for ten cents, hmm. and they'd bring in the big volume books out, and you'd, you'd go to the to the particular title, and then you would have to write out the reference of the volume and folio number and the lot number, and yeah. Yeah. how big the lot was and um, you'd do a sketch drawing for the bank because um, the, the bank manager wanted to see what they were lending um, mm-hmm. or what they were lending their money on. Yeah. Um, and I think, yeah, so title search, 10 cents, with the link nowadays it's $27.90 or thereabouts and the transfer fee was a dollar, which I think mm-hmm. is about 149 at the moment. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I mean, way, way different than today once again. Um, how, how did you think that Darwin would develop and did it develop in the direction that you would have predicted or or did the suburbs develop in a way that you that surprised you? Um, and interesting, I think um, the government of the day would, uh, Mr. Everingham, I, I think um, it was pretty well 
there to be seen that that these guys were going to to get the once self government had been granted that they were going to to turn the town around or turn the territory around. Mm. And, and which I mean, like Uluru with the construction of that resort down there, I thought, oh, why have they done that? But when we went down and visited it, it went just. Just awesome to go to drive around, you know, come around the bend of the highway and see that resort and the way that melted and melted into the country. Um, yeah, right. Um, I mean, they they certainly um, when we, we were, all our land was leasehold, they they worked hard to turn that to freehold. Um, but they did, yeah. I, I think to answer that, Liz, yeah, I I, um, I got a feeling that it was going to happen. Um, um, probably the high. I thought one thing. I look at the skyline often. I think, gee, I, I never expected to see so much high rise that we have in the city. Yeah, I think a lot of people that come from south are pleasantly surprised, or surprised one way or the other. <laughs> how many high rise places we do have? Yeah, yeah. how few crocodiles are in the city? <laughs> rather, rather than crocodiles. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Um, so how long did you stay at Half Pennies for? Um, stayed there until '96. Okay. Um, so, yeah, um, what's that? Nine, seven, nine years, or uh, thereabouts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, no, more than that. Isn't it? Seventeen years. Yeah, seventeen years. Sorry, there for seventeen years, and then set up my own business, um, working from home. Yeah. '96. And then in 2003, I'd, I'd grown it to the point that I had to leave home, otherwise would have been in breach of town planning rules and regulations, um, having too many staff. And that's right. when I moved to the light industrial area of Coconut Grove and everyone thought I'd gone mad moving <laughs> into an industrial spot. But as it right. turned out, it's been a winner. Um Plenty of parking. Uh, people see us on the way to work and on the way home from work, which has probably yeah. created a bit of an issue because you're seeing them very early or very late. Um, yeah. But it, um, yeah, I think that that's worked well, and, and to have our own our own premises. Um, yeah. Sorry, Trevor. I'm I I'm coming late to the party here. What's your bread and butter now? Conveyancing. Um. Yeah, I'm happily retired. <laughs> I've got oh. a few times. I tried a few times. We, we we just sold the the business to our son Ben um, a year ago, um, so we've been I've been out of it for a, a year. And the business is conveyancing. Yes, yeah, and only conveyancing. Um, nice. With, I mean, I, when I was at Halfpennies, I mean, I assisted with wills and leases yeah. and sales of businesses and what what have you, but um, not allowed to to do that under your conveyancing license. And did you identify, Trevor, that that was whether it was what you liked or what you were good at, or was it a, a growth industry? You know, why did you decide conveyancing? Um, yeah, I think the, the introduction with the bank, like you know, I rather enjoyed that security sort of sort of work. And yeah, um, yeah I mean, as I say, it was just a, a throwaway line that I threw at Neil up, and he offered me a job, and I'll come yeah. and work. Um, Lee's um, uncle was a land broker in um, South Australia, and I'd always admired uh, how he got on with his business and uh, and his son. Uh, 
mm. both what, what they called land brokers in South Australia. Yeah. Um, in the main, we're all now called conveyances across Australia. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's an interesting industry because uh, as a real estate agent, uh, obviously we often work hand in hand together and it's it's amazing to me even people who've bought and sold property multiple times before um, they either won't have a regular conveyancer that they work with or they in a lot of cases um, they still don't really really know why they need to get a conveyancer yeah, I, I understand from a lot of real estate agents that when when the real estate agent asks who's your conveyancer they go what's conveyancer yeah there yeah, for sure um I suppose I've been a little bit fortunate with a name like Sherpick in that um, they'll, if the agent says, who was your conveyancer last time? Oh, I don't know, some bloke with a funny name. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's going to be kind of a Sherpick. Yeah. yeah. I always thought the um, the smart way that you wrote your domain name for your website and therefore your email addresses yeah. made it easier for those that didn't realise right. the T yeah. and the SH yeah. and everything else. Yeah, imagine, imagine telling, spelling Sherpig every time you wanted to get them yeah. to uh, Yeah, so Sir Pig was a lot a lot easier. Yeah. And and I used the pig, of course, in our, in our logo. And, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So you started that at uh, the start of what I'll call the bull run of the uh, real estate market in Darwin. In 96. Yeah, uh, well, I was, yeah. it's pre that, but you certainly yeah. enjoyed the that yeah. amazing time after two thousand. Yes, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah. There was many a time you were you were here at five a.m. It was it was huge. Yeah, um, big big hours and big big numbers of properties during the, the month. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, and when 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 we came here with. Um, uh, what did I have? Um, four staff. We we grew it to two offices and fifteen staff. Um, yeah. Is yeah. is fifteen sales a month a lot for Darwin? What's the what's what's the what's a big number? <laughs> well, I don't know. In the in the height of our our time, we without blowing my bags too much, we were handling around one hundred and twenty conveyances a month. Wow. Um, which mm. yeah. It was. We certainly had to burn ten times. Candle both ends. Yeah, we we yeah. were really. You were handling that many. So how many would it have been across the across the city? Across the yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure. There's um, yeah. Trevor had ninety nine percent of the yeah, market. Yeah, he had all of them. I was thinking. There's another mob called Ward Keller that used yeah. to handle one or two. Plenty of other firms. <laughs> so, so, so there were 120 with your firm and maybe five otherwise. Yeah, yeah. There were plenty of <laughs> well, there, there had to be someone representing on the other side of the 120. Yeah, so, someone true. Was, yeah, yeah. Um, that is true, actually. You, you never really, well, I never realized in, until I got into real estate just how many conveyances there could be in one single market. But there's, yeah, there's a lot. There's a lot, yeah. I mean, when um, I think it was 2014 or 15, when after Rimpex and we dropped dropped right down, um, yeah, you know, we were down to 30 a month. You know, yeah, just just 
it went. Yeah, that was that was harder to handle than the 120, <laughs> especially when you had so many staff. That was that was a bit a bit of a sad time in my life having to put off 11 staff people. Yeah. Um, um, and of course, when COVID came along, it was very hard to run two offices because if you've got support staff sick in either offices. So my son, when he took over the business last year, closed Palmerston, and, uh, which I think was probably a good move, something that he was asking me to do for, for some time, but yeah, mm. he did that straight away. Yeah. Because it, it, it is a bit tiring to try and run the, run the two. Yeah. And you definitely would have seen, um, you know, the biggest peaks and biggest troughs, I think, in terms of extremes. I know when I started in real estate in Darwin, it was early 2000s, and I remember we used to do our research on, you know, listing a property, and so often you'd see houses that, you know, might not have been listed for 10 or 20 years, and the price may have only changed by 10000 or $15,000 yes. in that yes. time. Yeah. Then from that sort of 2003 onwards until yeah. it hit that height. And I then moved to Dubai in 2008 and spent two years there and I came back midway through and caught up with a lot of real estate friends and they were saying, oh, the market's still still going beautifully here. But it had already stopped in our market. And then, yeah, as you say, after that impex run is when it really hit home. Yeah, yeah. But you're right, you pick up a title search and see someone's bought a home for thirty-five, forty thousand, you know, and held it for all those years and bang, you know, yeah. sell it for six or eight hundred. And then five or seven years later, someone buys it for only ten or twenty thousand dollars more. Yeah. And uh, then there was that, that gain again. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Interesting market. The Darwin market uh has always Sort of had its idiosyncrasies to it. How how did you find that with within the conveyancing business? Um, yeah, while we were in growth, I I I'd be looking to take on an extra staff member as we grew grew our num our numbers. Um, uh, but it, you know, people would say, "What's moving?" and and you, you couldn't really, you know, it'd be vacant land, it'd be a commercial shed, it could be a block of units, it could be a house. There was always a, a, a spread um, across the whole, the whole, the whole market. Um, uh, I mean, the government um, providing um, handouts, as it were, has certainly helped. You know, with stamp duty and. Um, um, Building assistant loans and things like that—that that certainly helped. Um, and that's one thing that—that's um, that, one way that we bought our first home. It was through the housing commission. We were, you know, given a given a loan from the housing commission. We, we would never have been able to buy it from the bank with the amount of deposit we had coming from a bank. What do you what do you think kids today can do, Trevor? They're, they're, our our kids are struggling to buy houses. I don't know about you, but but my, my kids and my friends' kids they're they're just saying there's no way. Terribly terrible, isn't it? I mean, um, I mean that stamps you. I just you know when John Howard bought in GST, all those taxes were to go, and of course all the governments of the day showed him the middle finger and didn't remove the stamp duty. I mean that's 
Yeah. That's such. Because, I mean, a lot of the brokers I talk to say that they get the young ones in and they say, this is how much I've saved in deposit. And the broker will go, fantastic. That's going to cover the stamp duty. Where's your deposit for the house? Yeah. Um, so I think that that's the first thing, Liz. Um, get rid of that stamp duty. But, so, I mean, and some states are. Some states are offering an option. You can you can do stamp duty or land tax. That's what New South Wales is doing. Now. Yeah, I understood. They understand that there was one. There's only there's only New South Wales, so wasn't it so far? Yeah, and not for everyone. Yeah, and yeah, well, there you go. Yeah, yeah, I'm not too sure how else they're going to ease the ease the market. Um, new own homeowners, yeah, other than mums and dads helping with deposits. Yeah, uh, I think that, and we see a bit of that, um, quite a bit of that, where mum and dad are. How assisting. much? What what percentage is is mum and dad helping now of the uh, buyers? Yeah, I'd probably say somewhere between five and ten percent, maybe. Yeah, where, mm. where parents are helping on, you know. Yeah, I would have thought it was more. Yeah, yeah. They call it the bank of mum and dad. Yeah, yeah, well, and it, and it makes sense. It does. Well, yeah. something else that I, really made an impression on me was, um, and I don't know, it's anecdotal, but I heard somebody say um, in, a, in a news program that of the, you know, X hundred um, ministers in Canberra, um, you know, 60% of them own two homes. Now, yeah. if that's the case, they're not yeah. going to be legislating anything yeah. that's going to reduce uh, their values, right? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, with um, uh, with the tax relief and what have you, with one of the interest products, negative gearing, that's probably one thing that's not going to be removed. I mean, I don't know whether that's going to help if they remove negative gearing. I mean, you, you're going to lose a lot of rental homes if they do that. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the pressure on um, housing at the moment, of course, is your Airbnbs. A lot of people have got that second or third home that's not even available. Yeah. That's very true. That's true more. in my my building right now. I've got people Airbnb and the in the just the on my floor. I can t- you know people people are saying they can't get in and out of the building. They don't have. I know they're Airbnb. I can't yeah. believe anybody would Airbnb that rickety lodge. Yeah, you live in. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know, and they do. Isn't it crazy? Well, we have a, we have a bylaw in our building not to allow Airbnbs. So. Is that right? Yeah, just because it does put pressure on the yeah. services of the building. It you know, does. And people don't necessarily behave. You know, stick to the rules with recycling or rubbish or. It puts pressure so on your ability to sleep on Saturday absolute. night too, Trevor. What was that? Sorry, Ben? It puts pressure on your ability to sleep on a Saturday night too. Yeah, happy birthday to you. <laughs> so, so, um, so, Trevor, absolutely absolutely no Airbnb, no short-term rentals, what, under three months or something in your building? Um, yes, I think it's three, yes. Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. yeah there's a few like that, yeah. So yeah. oh, yeah, three months would be the shortest a real estate agent would do too, wouldn't they? Yeah. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So 45 years in the Territory. Correct. Yeah, correct. So let's talk about, um, you know, you mentioned before, uh, for example, the uh, change 
in the skyline in the city, which changed in my time being there from, I think it was 12 stories was the max. And then obviously they approved, you know, some of these big, big, big buildings that are existing now down Nucky Street and um, and other parts, of course, as well on the Esplanade and that. But w- what are some of the, the big changes that, that you've seen that just, you know, strike you as memorable? Well, on our arrival, there was the Travel Lodge and the what was called the AMP building, which, of course, had been raised and rebuilt uh, there on the corner of um, Nucky and Kavanagh. So they were the only two high-rise buildings of any any note. Yeah. Um, so, you know, what, whatever, whatever else is brand new from then then on we've seen, we've seen come up. Um, um, I mean, all the old units around Nightcliff and Stewart Park, I mean, they're, they're still, still standing. A lot of those were strata title when self, straight after self-government, strata title and sold and, and people got into those, um, and I, back in those days, it seemed to be a cheap price, thirty or forty thousand um, dollars. But you know, that's again relative to the wages of the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I yeah I, I don't know. When we're we're in one, so I, I rather enjoy it. I mean, I got over the palm fronds and the swimming pool and. <laughs> <laughs> what have you found? Once, once the kids had left home, the house was just too, too, too big to, yeah. to maintain, and whatever you say. Yeah, we're, we're in the city now and, and enjoying it. And it's one thing you can just close the door and go. Yeah, pay your quarterly levies and let them worry about all the. Uh, yeah, that's it. That's uh, it. Yeah. We've had a few earthquakes in the past, so, you know, eighteen months since I've been here. I think I've felt, I have felt three. Right. And I wasn't here for one of the big ones over over the um, Christmas period, 2022 to 2023. There was a big one then. I mean, I think that the buildings, that, 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 those, that shaking has to take a toll on the buildings, you know? I don't know. But I, I just feel like Darwin is hard on buildings. Yeah, it's true. Um, you do need to maintain them. Well, I don't know when you got the... And you can see that. I remember a valuer telling me once when I had my home valued that you could always tell whoever was looking after their home as soon as he got out the car and and he could tell whether the home was looked after professionally or not too. They had some handy men, men not, not necessarily doing a good job. Um, yeah. Yeah, and it would be reflected in the valuation. But yeah, we don't we don't talk about the uh, earth tremors in our building very often. That um, it wasn't it wasn't so pleasant, especially that last one. It was a bit scary. That was the last one. I think it did. You know, I think it did some damage to some some infrastructure. And we weren't too bad. Um, we didn't lose any trophies or paintings or anything like that. Oh um, yeah, and you've still got that 1938 map behind you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank God that survived. Yeah, We're not um, talking about that. Yeah, I'm in the office. I'm at that coconut grove. I'm not in my house. Uh, yeah. I was going to say as well before when you're talking about the office, a bit of a master stroke that you may not have realised, but you'd get a couple of pretty good air shows a few times a year too, wouldn't you? Oh, uh, we do. Um, in fact, there's quite often you have to say to the client, excuse me, <laughs> hang on for a second, and yeah. every window in the shed just shakes. Yeah. Yeah. 
I had, I had it similar in my office in Woolner and um, first couple of days it was a bit exciting. By the end of those four-week exercises, it's very annoying. Yeah, definitely. But it is unique because, uh, you know, there's many capital cities in the country that don't get those sorts of air shows, so yeah. Yeah. shouldn't be too quick to bitch and moan about it. Yeah. So, Trevor. Air shows, air shows and Territory Day. Sorry, yeah. but I can't yeah, say enough sorry. about Territory Day. Yeah, Territory Day is pretty spectacular from our apartment to look across the skyline of Darwin and See, oh, nice. see Beirut, and it's uh, unbelievable. <laughs> it's sort of hard to explain to people from down south, and you know, uh, Beirut's a very good way of describing it. I've often described it as uh, uh, you'll recall when George W. Bush referred to the uh, shock and awe of the uh, <laughs> <laughs> opening he of the. Knew <laughs> he knew nothing. He knew nothing. The good news is that by midnight each night on uh, Territory Day, mission is accomplished. Mostly. Yeah. Well, we're still getting them going off at three and four yeah. every day at the moment. Yeah. yeah. There's one yeah. born people, every minute. People still yeah. have leftover fireworks up here, Peter. You, 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 yeah. you got to, you know. Every day. Yeah. We've, all, we've all been there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it is one of those unique things. People from down south can't believe that we're still allowed to let off fireworks on Territory yeah. Day. And yeah. you'd think in theory it's a great idea, but mm. unfortunately once you fill half-wits full of liquor and give them explosives, the uh, <laughs> the combination is not great. It's good yeah. fun. It's good fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now, Trevor, you've uh, been touring a fair bit recently, so I'm imagining – You've seen bits of the territory that you may not have seen before. Touring, yeah, in your caravan. Yeah, been caravaning. Well, we, we um, I've done that trip up and down the centre so many times. You know, it's, it's um, we decided to stay uh, in the top end. Um, so the last vanning trip we did, we just we virtually just took five days and headed straight to South Australia and spent a lot of time doing the. Air Peninsula and the York York Peninsula. Oh yeah, nice. Um, and um, I think when once the dry season visitors back off, we'll start doing a bit more local stuff. Um, yeah, that, that we didn't do with kids camping and, and what have you back way back. Yeah, we hope to do WA. Uh, we'll head off about October and yeah. do WA and through Kununurra. Down, well, down the coast to Perth and then across to, to Adelaide and then back up again, we'll do that. Do yeah, that. nice. Yeah, so, yeah, enjoying that. And, yeah, try and get a – every now and again, now that I'm retired, maybe try and get down and watch a game of football. And Who's your team of choice? Um, well, <laughs> it, Come on. Way back, in the, way back in the day, it was Woodville Football Club. Oh, yeah. Um, and then I followed a, a player from the Woodville Football Club to uh, North Melbourne. Yeah. And then he went to coach Geelong. And then he went to coach um, Adelaide for um, two premierships. And, and the reason that is um, his mother and my mother are sisters. And that's uh, the great wow. Malcolm. So, um, right, Malcolm Blight, what a champion. And Blighty was in the bank, um, in Bank SA in, in South Australia. And uh, 
yeah, I remember when he was playing for Woodville, he, he sent me the the tie bar and the tie and what have you. I didn't know I could wear these things. That, um, and now I just sort of thought I'd blight his career, really, so wherever he was. Yeah. Um, Ben's a mad Geelong supporter and he calls his father a turncoat because I right. went to, to – and being South Australian born, I thought, well, I'll go go for the Crows. So, you see, yeah. you've got that excuse. I, I'm, I'm actually all for that. If uh, if you grew up in South Australia and you followed a VFL team pre-AFL, mm. and then when your team came into the AFL, I'm, I'm happy with that. I'm, I'm, yes. I'm happy to – You can. that's a I before E except after C situation. Yes, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah following your state of, state of birth, yeah, that's been yeah, my, my go, but um, – it was really just because Blighty moved from those different places. I I was uh, yeah yeah wherever he played, I sort of yeah, um, yeah just followed followed their teams. Um, and unfortunately, my my um, my sporting ability was left behind the door. I huh. to, to the likes of him. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's important uh, to have supporters on the other side, though, Trevor. Yeah, well, I, I mean, to get into the community when I left the bank here, I thought, what do I, what do I do? I mean, I, 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 I can't kick a football over a jam tin. Uh, not much for, <laughs> at the cricket or golf, um, and so I got tied up with with the Eagles here at the Wanderers Football Club. Yep, and did their advocacy work from for many years to the point that I became a, a life member. There, that was always good fun. Um, yeah, you know, going there you were on an official conveyancer for the team. <laughs> uh, no, the advocacy work for um, is, is where the players charge for striking, spitting, swearing, whatever <laughs> they've done. Well, on. What? Yeah, it's a little bit different these days. They tend to get their two match suspension, uh, but many years ago, you'd, you'd, you'd front the tribunal and um, yeah. And uh, way back in the day, um, His Honour Trevor Riley, uh, the former Chief Justice of the Northern Territory, was the chappy that we went before uh, as chairman. And um, wow. yeah, I always called him a hangman judge because I don't know, it, no matter what I put up, but come out there and my play had always got two or three. <laughs> two or three. So, so is that the term you used? you sign a Trevor Riley? <laughs> uh, no, I wouldn't be calling him the hangman judge. You call him the hangman judge in that football sense. <laughs> you said something about you'd yeah. sign a Trevor Riley, and I, I, I thought, what does that mean? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It means you're in trouble if you're Trevor. Oh, yes, so. I mean, back in those days, he wasn't on the bench. He was working at at Ward Keller. I mean, a partner of Ward Keller. Right. And he, was, he was one of the chairman of the the tribunals. And you turn up with a your fine player, establishment. and, and uh, turn, turn up, turn up with your player and the player that's been hit, and um, and the umpire and the evidence, and that send you outside, and um, yeah, um, yeah, do you do your best for your player? But what used to annoy me quite often was that the player would say, "No, I'm not guilty," and go out and yeah, been given two weeks. And go, oh, I'm happy with that. Because I really got him a beauty. Think, oh, <laughs> why don't we get to be guilty and then try and get a week instead of two weeks? Yeah. yeah, thank you for your honesty. 
So it was back in the day when the uh, players used to, uh, you know, have a blue on the field, but then come the tribunal, the opposition player who'd been struck said, oh, I didn't see anything, Your Honour. Not sure what happened. <laughs> yeah, they'd get their, get their story straight outside. Yeah. Win. Yeah. So how was that experience? Because I imagine, um, you know, presenting your argument or your proposition to a, a, a sitting judge would be quite uh, overwhelming. Well, he wasn't a sitting judge at that stage, but it was like, I mean, they were all, all the all the tribunal chairmen are, are, are lawyers, um, but the advocates here in the Territory, I don't know whether things have changed now, but they were not to be lawyers. They had to be right. a friend of the club and, yeah. Oh, yeah, no, I had some um, some success and I had some really... Um, yeah, probably the, the, the worst I ever had was one of my players got wiped out for 22 weeks. But wow, he, um, he actually opened up young Maddie Stokes. I reckon it made Maddie Stokes a strong player. Oh, I one for Geelong always, always credit our guy that gave him a biffo. What did he um, do to get 22 weeks? Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he hit him pretty well, and that struck him right across the cheek there, and wow. opened him up pretty well. Um, yeah. And um, yeah, I, I featured on um, Adelaide Radio over that that reported about how this advocate um, managed his player and got 22 weeks. Um, Was that considered a victory? Yeah, I, it's one of them didn't give him life, really. Yeah, right. Yeah. So what happened with that? I remember when I first came to the Territory, there was big controversy over... I don't think it was Daryl White at that stage because he was still playing for the Lions, but some high-profile player who, was it Was it three yeah, strikes in the round? I'm just trying to think who that was. Actually, it was uh, one of the Bowboys, wasn't it? One of the Lot Lops? It could have been, yeah. Yeah, and I suspect they changed the rules over it because Daniel, it was... Daniel, I mean, Daniel, yeah. And they did, yeah, they allowed him to play on. Yeah, because yeah. I think... Um, that rule predated sort of modern times and the, you know, because you could get done for pretty innocuous things these days and, you know, it wasn't fair to be struck off the register for life based on, Mm. you know, three pretty petty things, so to speak. But, I mean, they were were in there for some, what what I considered silly reports, like one of the players dropping the F-bomb and I I mean, when I come to do my wrap-up, I said, let's bring the radio in and put it on Triple J and find out how many times we hear the F-bomb. But I think what would, what was aggrieving the officials was that when the player dropped the F-bomb, he was close to the kids on the boundary line. And uh, when he dropped the F-bomb, he dropped the F-bomb about his his own performance. Right. Uh, he, you know, kicked out on the full or what, whatever. Yeah. And he was... Admonishing himself, and they they reported him for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was a um, famous story from down south uh, where a, a person was uh, arrested and charged for using the f bomb in public, mm. and um, the lawyer representing that person managed to convince the judge that. You know, it was part of the vernacular and not just, uh, while it may be not acceptable in certain circumstances, it was a word that was, you know, widely used in everyday speak. Yeah. 
mm-hmm. and uh, he got his client off. And so the very next case after lunch, uh, the person charged with whatever they were charged with, uh, the charges were read out and the judge said, how do you plea? And uh, the lawyer representing the next person up said, not effing guilty, Your Honour. That was a great story. (laughs) Liz might say that's urban legend. I don't know. I love it. Yeah. Love it. I thought it was good. <laughs> well, Trevor, it's been great chatting to you, and I'm I'm really pleased we got you on because as I said, as I said to you at the time, we probably should have done this years ago. And um, Leon kept on badgering me, and I kept on no, no, no. And then when you sent me that email, I went back um, with the John McEnroe saying, "You can't be serious." Yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Hopefully, I, I was making a better argument than Leon. now we've decided to add a new segment to the podcast before we sign off because uh because of you and you can uh forever forever be proud of the fact that you've added this new little element to the podcast and that is that we're asking each of our guests to suggest the next guest or a guest that they would like to hear on the territory story podcast so who would you like to suggest uh, Andrew Bruin, former manager of um, Channel 9, now happily retired, um, uh, life member of many associations in this town, done a lot for the community, um, very knowledgeable man. I I, uh, I love being in his company. It's, he's, a, he's a laugh a minute and he's yeah, got, got plenty to say, of course, um, politics or otherwise. As much as you, Trevor, does he have as much as much to say as you do? Because we're, we're we we only have so much time, <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah, yeah. All right. I think Andrew would be good. Yeah, good. excellent. Well, we might uh, get some help from you on how to contact him, but I'm sure we'll be able to track him down. Yeah, yeah. Thanks so much for coming on, Tre- Trevor, and telling us your territory story. It's been great chatting. Good. Thank you. Thanks, and Trevor. Thanks, Liz. Good evening. Can I you ask both. you? Can I ask one last question? For sure. You, you always do. <laughs> Did, Trevor, if if you were to if you were to say what the theme of your life in the territory has been, would it be sport? Would it be the work? Would it be the family life? What what, what would be the what would be the one liner? I'm trying to help. I'm trying to help Peter with his title. With the title, thank yeah. you. Liz. I appreciate that. Um. Definitely not sport. Um, I always say my son Ben's probably being a better father than I was because I I just spent so much time at work. Um, but community, I, I really engaged in the community. I, I um, other than the football club, I was involved with the handicapped persons association and was on the board of the Handicapped Persons Association when we changed the name to HPA because it wasn't cool to call up handicapped persons anymore. And then I've been a life member, and I'm a life member of that, and I'm a life member of the Kiwanis Club of Kajarina, which is a, a, a service club. Um, and like all service clubs, um, that that's not running at the moment because you just can't get people to, to attend. So... I think I, um, the, 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 the community. The community will probably be the yeah the, one of the major. I, I certainly, even though I did a lot of time at work, um, I yes 
spend a lot of time with Kiwanis. Now, whether that be at Harvey Norman or um, um, Bunnings or down at the amphitheatre um, with Christmas carols uh, doing catering, you know, whether it be mm. sausage, sizzle, hamburgers or whatever. I mean, with Kiwanis, we raised a lot of money down at the amphitheatre with the concerts, you know, the, from the likes of Charlie Fry, John Farnham, John Williamson, Dire Straits. Great concerts, yeah. And we, wow. did, we, um, we raised a lot of money. But once the responsible service of alcohol came in and, you know. Damn those guys. Yeah, the, the providers, the, the professional providers kicked us out. So that, that, yeah. that was a bit sad because um, we might re- raise some really good money there and provided a good product, a, 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 you know, sausage, sizzle, hamburgers and whatever. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I spent, certainly spent a lot of time with community, a lot of time time at work um, and, and then, of course, there, there were family. I mean, Ben did start playing cricket at under 11 until under to 17 and every Saturday morning yeah. I went out and I, I, I was, I scored. For the Point Cricket Club that he was playing playing for, and then Lee was tied up with Marty in her her netball. So um, she um, did, did the netball with the daughter in mm. netball. Um, mm. But yeah, I know no, no sports from me, um, Liz. So I'd probably say community work. Um, I th- I think that's a beautiful message. You know, I I think that um, we've. We haven't, you know, I don't want to be sort of bemoaning where society is at the moment, but um, here goes. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think that the, the 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 that commitment to community and that sense of um, responsibility and participation is a beautiful thing. Yes, yeah, mm-hmm. too right. Yeah, too right. It was a bit sad when we had to. Wind up the Kiwanis Club of Kajarina. We just, just couldn't get mums on seats. Mm-hmm. Um, people are busy with their own families and their and, and work. Um, I mean, I know charity begins begins at home, but it's, it was um, it was good to, to be able to raise funds and, and put it where it was needed. Um, you know, from purchasing a humi crib for the um, Darwin Hospital, you know, to, to all all sorts of things that we yeah. put, good you know, on you raised the money and we spent it back into the community. Didn't put it into bank accounts, you know, um, got it out there. Mm. Mm. Thanks, Trevor. Much appreciate you coming on the podcast. Thanks, Liz. Thank you, Trevor. Great to see you. Great to see you, Peter. You too, my friend. That was Trevor Sherpig on the Territory Story podcast. Apologise for my voice. We will try and contact Andrew Bruin, who's been nominated (laughs) by Mr. Trevor Sherpig. We'll catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to the Territory Story podcast with Peter and the Professor. Thanks to Opie Dennis Digital Marketing, your local digital marketing agency. For more episodes, go to all your favourite podcasting platforms or head to territorystory.com.